Hi, I'm Colin Chan. I'm here today with Professor Michael Lawless and Professor Jared Sutton. And we're going to talk to you a bit today about the different kinds of procedures we offer here at Vision Eye Institute. And we actually offer the full range of procedures here because we believe it's really important that as an individual, you need to have individualized treatments. And so those treatments include LASIK, SMILE, ASLOR, PRK, implantable contact lenses, and lens exchange surgery. So we're going to talk a bit about that with my two colleagues here. So I'm going to ask Professor Jared Sun first. Um, let's sort of talk about this. And can you tell me maybe a bit more about what the differences are between the procedures? And Yeah, so those, those three procedures, uh, basically, um, we're trying to sort of change the shape of that window at the front of the eye. So LASIK surgery involves the creation of a cap and then a second laser is used to actually change the shape of that window. Uh, surface laser, or PRK, actually applies the laser right to the front of the eye. In some ways that's the easiest procedure, but the reason that it's not our preferred technique is because often that recovery is quite slow and patients need to take a bit more time out of work. Whereas with LASIK and the other alternative, SMILE surgery, which is a newer surgical procedure, the recovery is much faster. And smile surgery also has the advantage of being associated with less dry eye and also being able to get back into your sport, back swimming uh, faster than the other two procedures. Let's say you have a 26-year-old come in, they're a young patient who's moderately myopic. What sort of procedures would you consider for that sort of patient? Yeah, there's a range of procedures, Colin, that we could offer this patient and it will often depend on what the examination shows. So the examination, which should always be done by the ophthalmologist, uh, will actually determine which of a few procedures we could use. So for example, if that patient had a moderate myopia, uh, moderate short-sightedness, and they had a cornea, that is the window of the eye, which was nice and thick, we could offer them either smile or LASIK surgery. If, however, their cornea was a bit thin or there was something a little bit not quite right with the cornea, we have the option of PRK, which is also known as ASLA. Uh, so I think that they're the most common procedures that we would offer for a patient with that particular problem. Okay, so let me throw this question to um, Professor Lawless. Um, if you had instead a patient who was much more short-sighted, let's say minus 10 or beyond, similar age, maybe about 26, what sort of procedure could they potentially have? Yeah, it's a good question, Colin. Uh, the number is, I think, confusing to people. Minus 10 is a really short-sighted person. Uh, most people are much less than that. But they have particular problems because of those big errors, minus 10, 12, 14, uh, it's hard to wear glasses. It sounds funny, but it's hard because of the minification effect. They get an edge effect around the lenses. And so they're really often dependent on contact lenses, and sometimes they can't wear those full-time. So they're coming from a different place to the less short-sighted person with slightly different expectations. For that person, you've got to understand, and the patients need to understand that corneal laser is great, but it has its limitations. And you get up to, I'll put a number on it, around minus eight, minus nine. It's hard to, to do a corneal laser procedure of any type and be assured of the accuracy and safety. So it's that minus 10 person they sh you should have a conversation about whether they should have what's called an implantable contact lens. Mm. Uh, an implantable contact lens is what it sounds like. You put a lens inside the eye, you choose the power, it can correct short-sightedness, it can correct astigmatism or the combination. Very good optically, 
It's a procedure inside the eye. So they need to understand the level of risk is slightly different to lasering the mm. cornea. And they also need to understand that um, uh, there is now a lens inside their eye which needs to be looked at once a year for the rest of their lives. But they're very good, it's a very good procedure in implantable contact lens in the right circumstances. They're not commonly performed, um, but uh, for that right patient, that can be uh, sort of game-changing for their life. Mm. Yeah, I completely understand what you say. These sort of patients have really high prescriptions. They literally drop their glasses and they can't find them. They can't find their way home. So they're yeah. a completely different place that they're coming from. Yeah, and they feel vulnerable. Uh, they, 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 they can be in a hotel room or somewhere they've lost their glasses. They feel very vulnerable and it's not a, not a nice place to be. It's mm. often why they want something done. And the thing is that, well, the other flip side of coin is we all get older. And then let's say, let's flip the other scenario and let's say we have a, like a 50 plus year old patient who's now starting to wear reading glasses and maybe moving on to multifocals. What sort of procedures can you do for them, Jared? Well, I think that the first thing to say is that all the standard laser procedures are still applicable um, for those of us that are over 50, Colin. Um, we can still have those procedures. But, but I think that what, what happens is you, you get an extra option, which is a really significant extra you know, uh, weapon in our armamentarium, and that is that we get to do a lens exchange. And what that means is that we're actually taking the lens out from the eye and replacing it with one which is more optically appropriate. So people who've worn glasses all their life for long-sightedness, and then they start to get um, a need for glasses again for near, and they actually end up in, as you say, multifocal glasses. Those patients have the option of having a lens exchange. And there are various strategies that you can use to actually significantly reduce or eliminate, in many cases, their need for glasses. Hmm. And we won't go into all of them, but one, one good option that's available and which is getting better and better as the years go, go by is the option of a multifocal lens. Hmm. And really with appropriately selected patients, I think that multifocal lenses with a lens exchange is a very, very successful procedure. Hmm. Well, that's a good segue because I might ask Michael about the different kinds and different types of lenses because um, patients nowadays will probably, or they come to me to ask me questions about what kind of lens is best for me. So yeah. maybe you could highlight that. <clears throat> it's a good question, Colin, and, and Jared's alluded to it because it's a difficult area. There are so many lens designs now. It's actually difficult for, I think, ophthalmologists and optometrists, mm -hmm. let alone patients, to come to grips with what is the right lens. Simply put, it's this. The lenses with the best, clearest vision, the clearest optics, mm -hmm. have the least range. So if you did that in a 60-year-old and made them normal, they'll have great distance vision, but they'll definitely wear glasses for reading and computer. If you put a trifocal lens in that patient, you can be pretty sure you'll get them out of glasses, but at a slight cost in quality. Mm. Now, not much, but some. And so that is, a, that is a discussion you have to have with the patient. To make it more confusing, now there's a whole bunch of lenses in between. Mm. They're called eat-off lenses, they're called various things, um, but they're trying to do a little bit of, of either. Uh, and a bit of both, and they have their place in certain patients, and they are those lenses are evolving. They're not a static technology, and so it requires a knowledge of all the lenses. Mm. It requires an understanding of that patient's anatomy, what their eyes, the health of their eyes like, and really an understanding and a conversation about what matters most to them. And then, as an ophthalmologist, you can make a recommendation. And that's probably the point of what was said today. It is about having access to all these technologies 
um, that allows us to practice and do medicine and perform surgeries the way we think is best for the patient ultimately.